You're listening to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Pryor. This isn't your usual gender reveal party. There will be no baby sex parts. This is the real reveal, where we reveal gender through stories of brave humans willing to share their lived experience. Enjoy the listening. I sure enjoy making it. Hi, and welcome back to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm Jay Pryor, your host. Today, we have a new friend of mine. We actually have only spoken one time, uh, but we have a lot in common and are basically family, it turns out. So this is an interesting story. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Lillian Earhart. Um, we are from the same area, right? You grew up in Southeast Kansas, where I grew up. Yes. Um, only about 30 years after I did, maybe 40, something like that, 30, 40 years after I did. Um, and uh, you have a very interesting story. So um, I would welcome to the Gender Reveal Party podcast and um, would love to hear your story. Hi. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. So yeah, so my, my background is quite different also because although I did come from the same area. I really did not know about trans folk until way later in my life. I didn't transition until I was 35. So I mean, I didn't even know what trans was until I left Kansas. Same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So say Uh, more about that. Go ahead. But I went and joined the uh, Navy, actually. I went in for a little bit of context to that. My rate was machinist made nuclear. So I actually worked on nuclear power plants in the Navy. Wow. Okay. Which it's a double-edged sword is a very stressful job, that is for sure, and it actually does take a bit of IQ. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is the rules for those are a bit stringent as well, mm. which makes being trans strange because they started to change policies. But back then, when I was first nuke and when we were first dealing with trans in the Navy, and still to this day, it's a little iffy that uh you'll just get kicked out if you're new and you're trans they're working on that policy but mine actually comes when i was networking as a nuke i actually came over to california to work at the military entrance and processing center as a recruiter and then eventually as the shipping clerk for them Mm. which throughout this it was about we'll say 2012 2013 when i finally figured out that i was trans And it wasn't until about 2001 that I actually started to do something because I was in the Navy and I would have been fired. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you said 2013, 14, when you started to discover yourself as trans, and then you said 2001. So say that again. So 2001 is when I actually uh, took action to transition. But 2001 is way before. 2012 and 2013 <laughs> so that's why i'm trying to figure this out 21 oh wow 2021 i am 2021 okay got it there we go 2021 now i'm with you <laughs> i was like 2001 <laughs> child you're barely born then <laughs> you were seven <laughs> in 2001 but i mean you know i got confused you know, sometimes okay. you just forget a digit <laughs> right i got it i got it okay so 2021 mm-hmm. is when you started to do something about it so you discovered yourself around 2015 16 and then 
2021, you started to do something about it and you're in the military. Yes, I right? was in the Navy. Got it, you're in the Navy. And so throughout that, my command was a, it's like a strange combination. They were on the surface saying they were supportive, but behind the scenes, they were kind of plotting against me. So say more about that when you say plotting against me, like. So we had happened? two routes and paperwork. So we got the paperwork. They said, yep, we'll get it routed. You can check up with us. So I checked up after a month, after two months, after three months, they're like, nope, we still got no word. And then like about the fourth mark, month mark, uh, one of them actually got mad that I kept asking and yelled at me that they were never going to actually look at the paperwork. Uh, wow. Which later on down like half a year later with a few other events, I learned that they never submitted the paperwork. Uh. But at that point, I went and took other actions. So I called up the JAG for the Navy, which is their legal branch, basically. Mm -hmm. One good thing about the Navy is you can always talk to a lawyer if you ever need to. Mm -hmm. Talk to them. We got back to my command, and they started freaking out because, uh-oh, a sailor actually talked to legal counsel. <laughs> got it. So this is just to be clear. So everybody in the audience knows what we're talking about. So in 2021, you decided that you wanted to go ahead and transition, which is to go on hormones and, you know, make a medical transition. Had you already socially transitioned at this point? Were you going by sheep pronouns or any of that point at that point? No, yet? everything had to. So the way the military structures it, it takes a little bit of time to do stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. I had, honestly, nobody really knew. Mm -hmm. Like nobody at all knew that I was trans. Mm -hmm. A lot of people had doubts and questions, but nobody specifically knew until I came out and talked to a friend. Mm -hmm. Got it. And was that in 2021? Yes. Got it. Well, that was more 2020. Okay. The ball is very slow rolling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for all of us, but... Yeah, for sure. It just takes the time it takes, but got it. So the paperwork, so you got clear that you wanted to transition, you're in the military. And so you put in paperwork to be able to make those things possible, like getting your hormones and those things through a medical transition through the Navy. And that's right. the paperwork that they withheld and didn't even put in for you. Right. And which okay. those don't exist anymore because that paperwork was because Trump said to kick all trans out of the military. Got it. Got it. So basically that was like a flag for here. We have a trans person. This is now, now we know who this is kind of paper trail. Well, it was a paper trail of basically requesting to ignore Trump's executive order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which had they actually submitted it, it would have gotten approved because I talked to, I'm going to call them the higher ups, but there's a specific team for the Navy called the transition care team. I think they have two branches. I know one of them is out on either coast, is what I believe. Mm -hmm. But they're really good at doing their job and helping. But for my situation, with my command kind of being in the background, not wanting to do it. So, but to continue the story, after I talked to legal counsel, we had back and forth. My command tried, tried to get me deemed mentally unstable. Mm -hmm. 
to kind of take that approach to deal with the issue. Mm -hmm. But then I finally, throughout this, they then pulled me away from my post because I was talking, I was too out there in the open when eventually everything, when eventually I started to transition, they're like, oh, we can't have a person like that being seen by all the applicants. That kind of stung. But I eventually did get a hold of the transgender care team and we actually got a good laugh out of it because at that point I had gone out away from the Navy to civilian and actually started hormones. Got it. So you, the Navy actually never did help you with your transition. You just had to get out to do it. Correct. Um, throughout the whole thing. Well, they did help a little bit. They did pay for the doctor visits. Mm -hmm. I was paying for medication out of pocket. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, it was basically a, when I got a hold of the transgender care team, I'd already been on hormones for two months. Mm -hmm. We wrote a letter that my CEO had to sign saying, yeah, this person is already transitioning. It doesn't matter what you care at this point. Mm -hmm. And then two months later, I went on my terminal leave, which is basically paid leave until the end of my contract. And then I was out. Mm -hmm. I've been out ever since then. Got it. Would you have stayed in if you could have transitioned and been happy transitioning? And, you know, like if people weren't in your way and you could have just done your job, would you have stayed in? Honestly, if it wasn't for what happened at that command and I could have, I would have stayed in. Yeah. I loved my job. I loved the, even though it was stressful and we were, we're kind of, we are a little crazy in my field because of just how much the stress of life is there, but it's, there's a lot of good people there. It's really rewarding job when you actually get to do your job, yeah. but just all of that at my last command, it's just like, no, I, I can't stay in after I watched somebody that's supposed to care for the sailors at a command go against them and try and get rid of a sailor at a command. Yeah. When we talked earlier, you you said that you felt like uh, Trump's executive order basically gave uh, some people in the military carte blanche, uh, you know, to be able to abuse the trans people that were in the military already. Can you say yes. more about that? Well, Trump's executive order basically allowed discrimination against trans people in the military. It was a, don't know if it was directly from him or from his parties not wanting trans people in the military, but it's basically a flat, get trans people out of the military. This is a waste of taxpayers' dollars to assist a trans person that's serving the country. Right, which is ridiculous in the grand scheme of things of how much other people use for medical things, um, yeah, for all kinds medi of things, as a, for as the a career military. army person, and it's just your, your insurance. Exactly. It is military insurance is really great. Yeah. And, and nobody, can I curse or not? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to for explicit because of my mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you see, I'm a mechanic, so <laughs> it, it comes out every now and then. But you don't, you don't really see anybody else bitching about people using medical insurance 
until it comes something that's a highly contested topic like trans people in the world. Right. Right. There are definitely some communities that still don't like trans people. I mean, sadly, it is what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's in my world, it's like, it's my insurance. <laughs> I should get to use it for whatever works for me. Um, just like I don't care about them and their Rogaine and all their things. So, um, yeah, I get it. And so um, now you are out of the military and you're transitioning and you're, you're really kind of early in, right? Like a couple 2001, right? This is just 2002. So you've just been on testosterone or not testosterone on the, on the HRT for, <laughs> that was mine, on the HRT for um, a year? It will be a year in May. A year in May. Nice. Nice. How you feel? I feel wonderful. Yeah. I, mean, I did have, there at the beginning, I did get quite a moody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And my command probably really did not help that at all. Yeah, right. But I've been a whole lot better. Good, good. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it's always amazing to me how when somebody gets to start on the hormone and start living as their most authentic selves, like there's just this whole new level of confidence and feeling about, it just feels good. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's your authentic self. So you're very brave. Thank you for being willing to come on to the podcast and share your story with us. I think that it's um, powerful for people to have an example of somebody who has actually lived through some of the things that we just read about or hear about. Um, and the military in particular is uh, important to me. I have a similar story where at the time, when I'm 1984, 85, when I, I came out as gay, uh, you couldn't be gay and be in the military. And technically you had lied on your uh, MEPS interview mm -hmm. because they used to ask us back then, have you ever had same sex experiences? And so you have to lie to get into the military. So then you could be court-martialed because you've lied to the military, right? So they mm -hmm. always threaten with that. And so whenever I came out in 1985, um, they actually gave me the choice to stay in, but my option was to stay in and be closeted. And for me, that was a death sentence at the time. I just couldn't, I had to be out. So mm -hmm. um, similarly, I would have stayed in. I love the military. <laughs> I loved it. It was really, uh, really good for me. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, and I would have stayed in had I had the option to be an out queer person in the military. So um, they last a couple of good soldiers, that's for sure. So. That is true. Yeah. Viewers, I do have a funny story of a, uh, I shipped somebody to boot camp that thought that they couldn't be gay in the military for some reason. Hmm. And so she gets all the way to boot camp and then I get a call from boot camp and they're like, hey, this person's telling us they're married. You have nothing about this. I'm like, I know nothing about this. Can I talk to her? He's like, yeah, me and my wife went and eloped like three days before I shipped. I'm like, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care what you are. I just need your paperwork so that we can get you paid. <laughs> you get paid a whole lot more if you're married. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I mean, there's such a history. Of, I mean, I have a friend who is long-term lifer, military, and she and her partner 
were closeted i mean this whole time right and she's a little bit older than me and is now retiring or getting close to that and when obama came out and gave them the ability to have the same rights as everybody else they didn't trust it at first they were scared because it had been years and years and years of having to be closeted and act like a single person and not talk about their spouse and all that kind of stuff for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was really dangerous for, and they used to go on witch hunts looking for us. So um, yeah, it's, it's gotten better, but obviously there's still work to do. So I mean, it's the same thing when I think it was Obama first introduced trans people being able to be openly trans in the Navy mm-hmm. or in the military as a whole. Yeah. Nobody trusted it. I mean, they had good reason because the second Trump walked in, right? Everybody that utilized what they were supposed to have kind of got a knife stabbed in their back by Trump. Yeah. I mean, the good news is, as I was talking to the transgender care team, they ignored Trump's order. They're like, this is unlawful and decided to ignore it as un- uh, an unlawful order and just find ways around it. Yeah. Uh, I will just wrap paperwork saying we're ignoring your order for this person. (laughs) (laughs) So, which is really funny because it's like my command was like really split. One of them was like, I don't care about trans people, but he didn't want them at his command. Mm. He had quite a NIMBY approach to the uh, not in my backyard. Right. So maybe in my Navy, but not in my command. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that before too. Very good. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Uh, no, sir. Well, I mean, I have plenty I can share with the audience. I have plenty of funny stories, but well, is there anything relative you that you want to hear? Um, I don't know. Um, any story you want to share with us? Yeah. Um, oh, I got a funny one. So after I came out to the whole command and Eventually, because when I first read the paperwork, the command's like, oh, we can't tell anybody, we can't tell anybody. Eventually, I'm just like, nope, I'm going to tell the whole command because, well, any press is good press when uh, used properly. Because mm-hmm. at that point, I got to the point. your life, right? You get well, to not, on, not only that, but since I was looking more towards legal actions being pressed, more people in the command talking about it, more things are going to come up when the investigation comes. So we have these things, let me remember what they're called, command climate surveys, basically seeing how the command's doing. Well, they did one of these surveys and what they got at the end of it was, there was another trans person at at my command and literally on the report says, they are afraid to come out after seeing what the command has done. So, so when you came out to the whole command, how did you do that? Um, <laughs> I told one person and let gossip and uh, the grapevine do the rest. Yeah. Did it's, you know the right person to tell? <laughs> oh, I knew the right people to tell. There was, there was people that knew. And then I basically was like, tell everyone. And of course, my best friend at the command and who I talked to a lot was the, uh, I don't want to call him token gay person, but... So people are going to think of him as. But he was one of the gay people of the command. And so he talks to everybody. He's a great person. We used to go get coffee every Saturday. 
but he uh, helped me spread the word everywhere and suddenly my command's like, oh, we can't keep this under wraps anymore. Got it. Huh. Yeah. Good work. I knew it was funny because I was also fighting with them because this was during COVID. Right. And it was funny because we got an order saying that, hey, you don't have to appear to grooming standards for hair length anymore during COVID because you're nowhere near a military base, i.e. the closest one was three hours away, to actually go get a haircut. Because uh-huh. with military standards, I would take, I would have to be given a day to travel there, get a haircut, have to stay the night there, because I could not drive home within the allowed amount that you could drive in a day. Huh. Legally, for military standards. Huh. <laughs> well, things are always working out for you. Look at that. And then my command's like, go get a haircut. I'm like, I don't have to right now. The paperwork's <laughs> saying I don't have to right now. I'm the paperwork's saying you can't force me to right now. Because, <laughs> or you'd have to give me a, Days basically leave, right? write me travel orders to go get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> And they didn't want to do that. Oh, they do. No, because they would have to pay for everything. Right, of course. They would have to give me a car, pay for gas, (laughs) pay for the hotel, and give me a day of leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. So COVID's good for lots of things. COVID is not a good thing. I wish it never happened. Mm. Oh, I agree. But I mean, there are a lot of things came out of the COVID that were good. So, you know. There were a few things that came out that was good. There's a lot that came out that wasn't good. Yeah. I'm a focus on the good. I'm a glass half half full kind of human. So I do my best to focus on what's working. Um, I hate it, Dick. My work hours got really long because I had to be at a place at 4 a.m. to make sure people showed up there and nobody had a temperature. Mm. And then I had to race a bus down a highway to get back to the building before the bus got there. Yeah. And then yeah, I have to go through it starts early. an entire day. Yeah. Yeah, those are long days. Yeah, yeah. And then, especially because we, uh, the civilians didn't have to come in for a long time during COVID. Our MEPS was actually the only MEPS that did not shut down at all throughout the whole entire COVID thing. Mm. We stayed open every single day during it, which I mean is a testament because we maybe honestly had one person get COVID yeah. throughout the entire like, two years COVID has been going. Yeah, you know what? I forgot we should tell people what MEPS means because I, I, I just, I always. I did you know, say it at the very beginning. Oh, did you? Okay. Medical and process. That's where people get processed to get into the military. Yeah, it's Military Entrance and Processing Center. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You never forget your time at the MEPS Center. If you go in the military, you never forget that time. <laughs> you just, it's a whole long day. You never forget it. I mean, the funny thing is, having worked the other side of it now, a lot of it seems so asinine to me. Yeah. Because I've, I've been on the other side of it now. Like, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the things that like seemed important, and it's like, no, that's not really important, or that. And I worked yeah. with the medical people and I worked with the processors in the back. And 
It's a, it's lot a really of fun time. I do miss that job because that was actually my probably most rewarding job that I worked for the Navy. Yeah. Because even though it seems so unimportant to the title shipping clerk, right. I was responsible for every single person we sent to the Navy. Mm -hmm. I made sure that they got the money the Navy was going to give them for joining. Yeah. Nice. It's an important job. That's for sure. I'm sure you've got some good skills out of all those jobs. So that's good news. Well, honestly, I took my skills and just transposed it to that job. Because mm -hmm. one of the most annoying parts of my job is the attention to detail. Mm. I mean, working with a nuclear power plant, there's a lot of scrutiny on any paperwork. Right. That's for good <laughs> just skills. Just a little though. bit. Yeah. But I took that and did all the records. I actually took the reward for three years in a row with having the least amount of errors of all paperwork sent to boot camp. Wow, that's good news. You should put that on a resume for sure. And then I got kicked out of down there because I'm trans. Yeah. Yeah. And Something's then not right here. And I'm getting called from basically admiral level from uh, the civilian side. It was like highest the civilian can get. The guy's personally calling my personal cell phone being like, what the hell happened? Everything is wrong this month. I'm like, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Roger. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Hmm. Well, tell I mean, me. they got they got complacent. They they went from somebody that knew how to do this job, done it through. I mean, honestly, two version updates of computers. Yeah. The program got a huge update, which broke everything, which was hilarious because the maps tried. I don't want to call it screwing over people, but they didn't understand that they tried to do something that would mess with people, because contracts to the military are eight years. Depending on your job for the Navy, it depends on how much of that is active duty. Right. So active duty contracts for the Navy is generally three to five years, depending on your job. And then the rest is just filled in with the inactive reserves if you don't re-enlist. Right. Well, their computer glitched when they first updated it to where they tried to force everybody to be on eight-year active duty contracts. Oh, wow. I said, no, we're not doing this. They're like, well, this is the only thing we can do with our program. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do the paperwork and y'all are just going to sign it on your end. Because I have a copy of this form that I can type into. Yeah. And it's going to be correct. And we're just going to do it as a manual paper trail and make certified copies. <laughs> Old school. And then after that, they're like, oh yeah, we should update our uh, in case of power outage because Ironically, if we lose power or internet at the building, we can still do stuff. Hmm. We have a manual backup way of doing everything. Uh, Will they actually feel like doing it? Probably not. Because <laughs> it involves also breaking out the ink and uh, fingerprint cards. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everybody that's that joins the military gets a background investigation. When I was in, that's how it was. It was all you know, fingerprinted and the whole nine. So yeah, mm -hmm. big giant paper trail. Yeah, that was also annoying. I also bring security for all the maps people 
So yeah, all of the people that, oh, you joined the Navy two days later. Oh, look, you have a felony that you didn't tell us about. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to figure out what the police actually charged somebody with. They, <laughs> ironically, they got arrested for something to do with speeding then didn't go to the trial for it, got picked up in a different county, charged with something else that got dropped back in the original county when they showed up for court. It was like, all right, hold on, let me go talk to the police departments here. What the heck is going on with these reports? I've got like seven reports here. What did you actually charge this person with? Sounds like fun work. It definitely is different because it's probably one of the only times as a military person or even as a civilian that you'll ever actually have to read police reports and understand what they're, what they mean. Yeah, probably. But again, um, good skills. It is skills. It is a new, it is a different life skill. I can yeah. interpret police reports despite what hour they wrote the report at. <laughs> Because you can tell the day shifters and the night shifters. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could. <laughs> Details Great. get foggy during the night shift, it seems. <laughs> I bet they do. Right on. Well, it's delightful to be with you. Um, thank you again for coming on the show. And um, do you have an Instagram or Facebook or someplace where people want to catch up with you? They can. Do you like to share or any of that? I have absolutely nothing. All right. Oh, I mean, I have things, but I don't use them at all. So, like, I have a Twitter that I never use. I have a Facebook that sits there in case my grandma from my mom's side wants to talk to me. Yeah. And that's about all I use. Well, that's all you need, really. If I didn't have to feel like I mean, do all this stuff on social media, I wouldn't do it. Like, I just, I'm not a fan. So, but I appreciate being able to be in connection with people around these kind of stories. And I appreciate your willingness to come and share your story and give us a real glimpse of the real deal um, within the last couple of years in the military, in the Navy anyway. So I will thank leave you it again. This, though, anybody like in the military that hasn't come out and needs help, get a hold of the transgender care team. Like you can How would just, they do that? The easiest way was if you don't feel like you can talk to your commander or anything, and you don't have a doc right next to you, ask to go talk to a psychologist doc. They can't honestly question you about it. Just say you want to talk to somebody and you want to talk to them and have them get you in touch with the transgender care team because they actually know the policies and they know how to get the ball rolling. There's one thing that I wish I knew was yeah. just get a hold of them. Right. It took me threatening the command with sending a letter to Congress for me to get in touch with them yeah but there's an easier way to do it Absolutely. and they are working on upgrading all of the doctor's knowledge on just to pass the case to them yeah because they're the ones that actually work on the policies set the policies or ignore the policies in the case of trump's executive order right right got it so that's a great tip so get a hold of the transgender care team through a psychologist so Good work. Awesome. Thanks again for being on our show. Thanks for sharing your story. It makes a difference. All right. Thank folks. you for having me. You bet. Love you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Gender Reveal Party podcast. 
I hope you loved it. And if you did, would you take a second and go do all the things like subscribe, rate, review, tell all your friends. Apparently, if you do that, the podcast platforms are more likely to share it. And if you think these stories are important, please take three minutes to just go do that. I'd really appreciate it. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at The Gender Reveal Party. And on Twitter, I'm at Prior J. It's a real joy and privilege to bring you this podcast. Come back soon. Love you. Bye. <laughs>